Hey, Rebecca. This is Claire down in Maryland. I have to say that, honestly, House Hunters International is the only thing that I watch on HGTV. But the thing that's infuriating about it is that it sets up this conflict in me because I'm drawn to the international aspect of it, yet I can't stand these people. Oh, my gosh. I absolutely can't stand these people. And my hatred of the people looking for a house is directly proportional to how outraged each wife gets. And I don't mean to sound sexist, but it is usually the wife at how large or small the refrigerator is overseas. For some reason, a lot of people cannot fathom the fact that they do not have enormous American-style refrigerators in Europe. And it just drives me crazy. But anyway, thank you for letting me spout about that. And I can't wait to hear what everybody else has to say about House Hunters International. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is HGTV and Me. And today we're talking about House Hunters International. We'll hear from an expert in storytelling on whether or not House Hunters International actually has a story. We'll hear from my best friend, Molly. And of course, we'll hear from Patrick and Steve as they watch an episode of House Hunters International in London. So do you want to introduce yourself to listeners of this fine podcast and, and let my listeners know how they might know who you are? Sure. I am Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. I am a story expert and I absolutely get all of my energy from talking about narrative. So I'm so excited to be able to talk to you about this stuff because it's so cool. <laughs> well, do you think that HGTV shows have narrative or they just rely on a formula that can't really be called something as lofty as a narrative? <laughs> No, I don't know. I think that they do actually rely on narrative. There is a lot of inherent conflict in the stories that they create. And a lot of their stuff, I think, is, you know, manufactured narrative. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> after you've watched a few of these episodes, you kind of realize that this is all kind of made up. But they right. absolutely do understand the basics of narrative. And I think House Hunters International is an excellent example of exactly that. Why is House Hunters International an excellent example of? Well, all the House Hunters are. I mean, all the House Hunters are. So House Hunters Domestic, House Hunters International, whatever. But it all relies on this essential conflict. Like the basis of every narrative is this central narrative conflict, right? That right. you've either got an internal conflict where somebody is, is in conflict with themselves. They want two things that are mutually exclusive. Or you have two people who have an external conflict that they want a mutually exclusive thing. Hmm. What House Hunters does specifically, HGTV in general, but House Hunters specifically has people at odds with reality. <laughs> so they create these people. They have these people come in. And I cannot believe for a moment that these people don't know exactly what's happening. Because finding that many people that divorced from reality, I think, is mm -hmm. really difficult to do. I think that they, they kind of prime them to say, go in and make 
unreasonable demands and have one person of the couple be absolutely committed to the fact that they need like a full modern kitchen out in the middle of Thailand right. or whatever, you know, right, right. and that they're not going to get these things. They're never going to get these things. But then you have this created conflict between the couple itself. And I think partially, you know, I, I feel like there's the, the realtor is part of that as well, because mm-hmm. the realtor is looking at this couple and thinking, hey, I can get one of them to buy like one place or Mm. I can break them up during the process of this and sell two apartments. (laughs) Now, there are two flavors of House Hunters International. Mm -hmm. There is the permanent relocation flavor and then Mm -hmm. there is the rental flavor of House Hunters International. Both are interesting. And I just want to walk you through typical House Hunters International episode story arc and kind of get your reaction as to what it is that we're seeing in these shows. So the show very often opens with a couple excitedly telling us about their new opportunity. After spending most of their engagement apart, Bailey is leaving Tulsa to join her husband Stephen as a teacher in Madagascar. And it's usually framed around one of them relocating for work. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've noticed is Very often, the one who's not relocating for work, which I hate to say it, like most of the time is the woman, doesn't 100% seem like she wants to go. Bailey knows acclimating won't be easy. It's not just an international move to another first world country. Definitely adjusting to having a lot less and a lot simpler of a life. Have you picked up on that? (laughs) (laughs) No, I have picked up on that, that she's like, well, he's coming here for work. I want to travel and that's great, but now I'm here and everything is dependent upon him. Like the budget (laughs) is dependent upon him because he's the one who has the job Mm -hmm. and I'm just sort of here being like, well, I'd like two bedrooms, you know? (laughs) Right. And then there are always demands that are made and in the list of demands, you know, even if the couple starts by saying like, this is an amazing opportunity, we've both always dreamed of moving to Asia or Europe yeah. or mm-hmm. somewhere that's not Dallas, Texas, exactly. wherever it is lived before. I think that that reveals itself, that conflict in the list of demands. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that always comes up is, I'm just going to say he and she, I don't want to like generalize, but I think it's like, I want to say like 80%. But he... most of the time, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. the guy who has a job and it's the girl who's like, Okay, let's move right. to Australia. So, yeah. Just for our audience's sake, I'm just going to go ahead and generalize, and you can write me an email at hgtvpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com if you have a problem with that. But like his demands are I got to be near my job or transportation mm-hmm. in my job because I don't speak the language and I need it to be a sign that shows me how to get to my <laughs> job. And her demands are definitely open plan um, and a nice kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't give a about being close to his job or transportation to his job at all. No, that is exactly the pattern that I have seen, you know, and that she is like, okay, I want to live like I'm in an American metropolis, right? (laughs) But at the same time, be in this country. And also that they're like, they're always like, well, we need these extra bedrooms because of people that are going to come visit. And I'm like, no, the whole reason why you move to another country is so you have an excuse for these people to not come visit you. Like, I mean, let's face it, right? You know, you go to Thailand because you don't want mom coming for Christmas. 
Now, there's always also this budget question mm-hmm. because there are some cities that are more expensive than others. Mm-hmm. But to me, like the budgets don't seem to really jive with this idea of like moving to a different country for a period of time. Like it'll be like we are looking for all these things and our budget is and it's always very specific. Yes. What sort of budget? We're looking for about uh, 600 USD per month. I think we can probably find you something. It might be a bit of a challenge. Obviously. Always seems specific. And very often for me, especially in these metropolitan areas, it feels Dare I say low? Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, what I think is happening, because, I mean, there are a lot of people in the universe who are completely separated from reality. Like, I know there are delusional people. (laughs) But to have this many people in every episode who come in and say, yes, I want all of this and I want to pay $14 American a month. You know, and if you give me something that's $15 American, I'm going to freak out. Right. You know, I really feel like my gut instinct, you know, having worked in television production, having understood the nature of, you know, conflict and narrative that we've got these producers on the back who are like, all right, here's your budget. This is what you're going to say. Be sure to complain that there's not an extra bedroom. Be sure to complain (laughs) if there is a pool because Mm -hmm. you'll have to do maintenance. And be sure to complain if there isn't a pool because then you don't have a pool. You know, I mean, it's all of these things. And it's like, you know, reasonable people who are moving, you know, will research the area that they're moving to. And one or two people being completely outside of reality, like I can see that. But every single couple having no idea that what they're asking for is completely outside and then you get this poor realtor like the Mm -hmm. realtor is the one that I really feel the sorriest for Alistair hoped both of his clients would find something to like about house one but neither of them seemed too thrilled with it house two was much more modern which Bailey loved but Stephen wasn't a huge fan of the price or the location with Bailey's adjustment to life in Madagascar going smoothly the time is right for Alistair to introduce a more rural environment for house three I think this is more Stephen's style. Everything's really Malagash. Everything comes from Madagascar in that sense. So I'm hoping that'll uh, satisfy him. I do want to talk about a big theme of House Hunters International. I think it's really an existential commentary on the lifestyles of the American public. Oh, sure. Because there are some key things that in every single house that is looked at in any country, with very few exceptions, stick out and are commented on by the couple that is looking. And I will just go to thing number one, the kitchen. Please tell me gas comes out of this. No, this is electric. It's a good sized space in here. Maybe we could work with it, but there's nowhere really to store things. Here you have the kitchen. This I can cook on. Gas and five burners. Really nice. But even like if I put a table here, it takes up my whole kitchen. I think we can make it work. (laughs) We need to have a six burner oven, right? Gas stove, yes. We need to have a full sized refrigerator. American (laughs) refrigerator. Yep. All this counter space and all this, you know, cabinet space and everything so that everything that we could possibly ever need is stored immediately in the house. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you cannot bring you know, an American house with you to these places. This is the reason why you're moving to these places to experience a different lifestyle. And the thing is that a lot of these places, like there was one where they didn't have laundry in the house because it's hot and because people want their laundry outside of the house because it's hot all the time. And these people were like, no, I can't have laundry outside of the house. Well, I I think the other thing that it's a commentary on, especially around the kitchen stuff, Mm -hmm. is the way that we 
eat and what our expectations are around yeah. food availability mm-hmm. and eating. Like in a lot of these countries, in the morning, you get up at some point during the day, you go to the market and you buy the fresh produce that you're going to cook that day yeah. or eat that day. And the only thing that you would typically have in your kitchen are like your dry goods and maybe like a little bit of meat or whatever and your Some milk spices, and your eggs. But like, sure, yeah. Because it's just the rest of the world just kind of eats better. Like they yeah. don't need to have the entire like bread aisle of Costco ready to go <laughs> in their own kitchen, right? Exactly. Yeah, and they also, you know, the, another another big uh, American, non-American thing that gets pointed out is like efficiency. I mean, the reason why appliances are small in a lot of these other countries is because a lot of other countries like figured out that climate change is bad and the way to like not have that is to be more efficient. So you exactly. see these like washer-dryer combos, the single appliance mm-hmm. that's tucked into the kitchen and like uses the same water line as the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Very often there isn't a dishwasher. You see these small fridges. You see these little stoves because like... I hate to break it to you, but in Germany, like they figured this shit out like decades ago. Exactly. And we exactly. are backwards. Global warming <laughs> is a big problem because of America. Like, we are not efficient about these things. All right. So super American um, complaint number two yes. that shows up over and over again on House Centers International <laughs> is closet space. Oh, yeah. A nice walk-in closet. It's very American. It's very, um, yeah, it reminds me of home a lot. All my shoes can go here, my outfits, everything. The master bedroom's great. And of course, love the walk-in wardrobe for Megan. I think that's my favorite part of the whole apartment. (laughs) How many clothes do you have? (laughs) A lot. Well, to be fair, I look at some of the clothing storage in some of these apartments and houses and I go, "Eh, that would be tight. That That would be a little bit tight. I don't have a ton of clothes, but it would be tight. But once again, right, like you figure it out. The capsule wardrobe it while you're there, for God's sake. Yeah, exactly. Like there are people who have like 10 pieces of clothing in their wardrobe and that's it. And apparently they live very happy lives, you know. (laughs) But we as Americans are used to having all of this space and all of these things. And I'm like, I understand it's a bit of a culture shock. But if you're going to another country... The whole point of living in Finland is that you're living in Finland. Like, they don't have closets in Finland. Figure it out. Somehow these people manage to get dressed every day and go to work, and it's fine. Well, I think that one of the things that's interesting, and one of the very American complaints that happens on the show that is the only one that I kind of relate to, even (laughs) though I think it's a little bit indicative of how, like, xenophobic and, like, um, inappropriate we are when it comes to other cultures, Mm -hmm. Even though I will admit I would probably do this, too, is when they look at places and they say, like, if I'm going to live in the Burgundy region in France, I want my house to feel like it is. That's where it is. One of the things that I'm really excited about is I'm here to take all that the French life has to offer. The French architecture, the style, having that je ne sais quoi in my home is I'm so excited to have that. I kind of get that. But at the same time, I realize like how awful it is to sort of. (laughs) Be like, okay, country, the entire experience of you, this whole country is supposed to be like the book I saw that one time exactly. about this country. <laughs> it's supposed to be a room with a view. Have you never seen that movie? I'm an American in Paris, damn it. Right. I'm an American in Paris. I want to feel like I'm in Paris. All right. So this show, they do a lot of footage of like the couple, you know, walking on the Rue de whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. or the little market, <laughs> eating the local, you know, see how much, what percentage of House Hunters International is travel show? And what percentage is home show? 
I think it's like 80% home show because hmm. it's 80% the same thing that regular, you know, original <laughs> recipe home hunters is, which is, oh my God, here are these ridiculous demands. Here is this incredibly stressed out realtor and we're just going to go with it, you know? Right. So I feel like there's some of that. And I mean, I do like it because they always get, you know, there's the shot of Big Ben. Right. There's yes. the shot of the like the English marketplace and all. And they always, they always go like touristing with their kid and they're like, look, I know. there's the place where they used to kill the Christians. Right. Exactly. <laughs> or whatever they say with them. <laughs> and the kids are just rolling their eyes. Like, clearly, they're like, do I really have to go to school and speak Italian? Like, exactly. I don't speak Italian, Dad. <laughs> WTF. What is going on here? I was happy in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> So a couple of the little tropes that happen at the end of every episode of House Hunters International, um, the couple's always sitting down somewhere, a cafe, a lawn, uh, (laughs) strolling along a beach, and they're weighing their three houses, and they always have to eliminate one. You are an expert storyteller. Why can't we handle a choice between three? Why does it have to be two? Oh, because you have to escalate, right? Because when there are three, no, seriously, this is how you, you have to escalate. Like when there are three options, there's an even number of like, there's an even amount of tension between the three. So you eliminate the one so that we've just got the tension between the two. And let me tell you, Rebecca, you're always rooting for one aren't you? Mm -hmm. There's always Mm -hmm. one that you're like, you idiots, this is the one you need to pick. And it is almost never for me, the one that they actually end up living in. (laughs) No, that's true. And the other thing that always happens at the end when they've decided on their house, and this Mm -hmm. is how, you know, every real estate show on HGTV does this. Right. um, From Property Brothers to Regular House Hunters to International, all of them, I don't care what the show is, they always do this. When the couple makes the fake decision, they've Mm -hmm. limited one, and it goes to commercial, and they come back, and then they have two, and then we have to hear the woman narrate the two again, like repeat the same features again. They make a decision and then they say, okay, we're going to call the realtor. And then they like toast with their wine glasses as though having made the decision actually means it's going to happen. Like it's done. It's done. But it is done. It was done before they ever started shooting. It's true. Are are we so wrapped up in our decision making? Like is decision making so hard for people that that provides enough tension to sustain a story? Right. Well, the thing is that a story is never about what it actually, what the reality actually is. The story is always about what it feels like. And when you make the decision, that is a huge moment. Now, of course, you're making the decision in this reality in which, you know, and the realtor is always like, you know, it's a highly competitive market here in London. <laughs> it's tight. Exactly. Like somebody else is going to get this apartment because they have to have that tension there. But the fact is these people have been living there for six months already. It's fine. Right. Right. Thanks to Lonnie Diane Rich from Chipperish Media. She is the host of some fantastic podcasts, and I've put a link to those in the show notes. Coming up, my podcast friend Patrick and his husband Steve dive into an episode of House Hunters International. Rebecca. Okay, what are we doing? Uh, uh, season 86. Oh, wait, what's my jargon? 86-1. 86? <laughs> Settle down, house hunters. Right, exactly. The show has been on for two years, and we're on season 86. 
Um, season 86, episode one, London with a twist, because we hate the beach episodes where they buy a beach house. There's no we in that. I love the beach episodes. I've acquiesced. This is mar- this is marriage, you guys. Marriage is all about compromise. The only thing I want to see is the only city that's even more expensive than the city we currently live in. We're going to actually be living in London. Jeff and Rachel are taking advantage of a job opportunity. White people in London. <laughs> These are just the whitest, Midwesternest people. I can't wait to find out where they're from. But coming from Minneapolis. Minneapolis! Yeah, I called it. $400. Oh, wow. Even though oh, and this this real estate agent is is the same from many of the different episodes. Much, much higher. Three thousand six hundred dollars. Three thousand six hundred dollars. I mean, that makes New York sound like a deal. It's so funny. I love that this this real estate person has perfect teeth because he does that thing where he like puts his teeth together and his lips apart to say like, I get it. It's a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he looks like a Wallace and Gromit character. <laughs> Perfect claymation. He totally does, actually. He really, really does. After ex- I lo- this is this was filmed in London on its one sunny day. <laughs> I, I, that's fair. After all the fun I make of Canada, that's fair. I've been traveling for the last three or four months to Copenhagen prior to our move over to London. So the plan is, since Jeff was already here working, that Saffron and I get the opportunity to... <gasps> Their daughter's name days. is Saffron! <laughs> I'm sure that she's a lovely, smart girl. And it, you know what? She didn't pick her name. That's not her fault. People went and, you know, picked wildflowers to help decorate. For the- These are former hippies. I kind of love it. Return to the States to continue their education and start a family. We have one eight-year-old daughter named Saffron. Um, we know. Her name is Saffron. And we also have our dog, Rosabelle. You couldn't have named the daughter Rosabelle and the dog Saffron? Guys... Was it Roosevelt or Roosevelt? Who cares? It's not Saffron. I know we made the right decision. Just knowing that there was this dream out. So wait, he's in Copenhagen, but they're living in London? Pay attention. They're moving to London. I'm confused. But why are they in Copenhagen? Because he's been working there. He's in demand. International. Ourselves completely... We're moving away from a lot of financial security that we have in the U.S. I will say the husband looks stressed for Jesus. He looks like he is just, he does not know what's going to happen. Also, I'm going to say anybody whose job is relocating them to London is not moving away from financial security. (laughs) You're good. You work in Copenhagen and you're moving to London. You work in finance. You got some money, dude. I'm in London tomorrow. I know. I cannot wait. Saffron is super excited. London is a brilliant, dynamic, diverse city. Um, There's been a real renaissance here of food. A what? A real renaissance. I love this guy. (laughs) Really, everything you could ever dream for is here. He looks like a Wallace and Gromit character. And he talks like one too. (laughs) We have double-decker buses. Madame Tussauds down the street. Get your meat pies here. Let's get straight down to business, shall we? Can you tell me a little bit more about what it is you're looking for? We're going to do a wish list. Centrally located in the northern part of the city. Also being closer than a tube station is important for me from a, a day-to-day community. He knows the lingo. It's a tube station. Right, right, right. I have this idea that I want to be more in a villagey feel within London. Less of that urban hustle and bustle and a bit more quiet. I don't know how realistic that is, but uh, it's something... I want a village with updated features and a balcony, but not a balcony. Well, also the center of town, but a village feel. <laughs> 
I'm just saying that Wallace's eyebrows like are working overtime with a mm-hmm. Oh sure. Meanwhile, the eyebrows is the only hair he has on that head. And we've got Eyebrows and teeth. I love this guy. Now that's all quite a tall order. Tall the order. Big question of course is just- It's gonna be a half hour of us just doing bad British accents. Get used to it. Our budget is 3100 US per month. Yikes. I think a detached house is going to be out of the question. We're looking at probably a terraced house or an apartment. The thing about an apartment is it's not going to have a garden, so that's going to be tricky. My strategy with this property was to show them... A this guy was born in Brooklyn. This is the biggest put-on I've ever seen. No, I love it. Now, Islington is a great area. We're just two minutes' walk from the tube station, which oh, is just... Great. Perfect for me. Right. I love the fact that it feels so much in Can I move with this guy? Can I join this? Can I kick Saffron out and go live with these guys? <laughs> Can I put on a wig and pass for an eight-year-old? What do you think? And also, you've got that rear garden for the dog. Oh, great. great. Um, the only issue with this property is it is over budget at $3,600. Three, six. Oh, wow. Again, that doesn't sound like a lot of money to me. Oh, the face. I just love that apologetic British attitude of like, it's over budget. <laughs> So we've got this lovely big through land. Meanwhile, $3,600 gets them this. It's a brown, it's like a house. Where, who do I write the check to? Windows. <laughs> I love the colors of the walls. I like that too. She loves the colors of the walls. <laughs> She's really checking out the important things. Don't worry about the size. Now we have this wonderful, light, bright kitchen. Oh God, this is gorgeous. It's beautiful. Patrick, let's move to London. We, I, I would pay that tomorrow. <laughs> so we've got this lovely little garden. Did you see her book to the swing set? <laughs> Saffron found a swing and went to it. It is funny that like I, I try to see it with like eyes of people who don't live in a city. And this backyard is the size of a parking space, which to me looks enormous. It's insane. It's a it's a. I mean, you can't find that anywhere here. No, no, you couldn't find a parking space backyard for any amount of money. Right, for that one day of sunshine London gets, <laughs> perfect garden space. I do like how bright it is in here. I like the windows a lot, but closet space. So... Yes, it's unusual to have a separate closet space. That would maybe fit your clothes, so maybe. I don't know what mine. Am I the only one who sees Narnia on the other side of every one of those, like, wardrobe doors? At least in a British home, you know. You guys, there's like a whole magical kingdom behind there. Added outdoor space. I'm sorry, we don't have a closet, but if you go right through the back of this wardrobe, there's a lion to take you. What did you think of the house? Uh, overall, I, I liked it. I thought I had a really nice-sized kitchen. The location by the tube station and shops is really nice. It feels a little too urban for me. I would like a bit more of a village feel. That house was built in 1427. It, like, settled down. The funny thing is that I feel like they could actually take him to a house that was built in 1427. <laughs> I'm being serious. You think there's plumbing in there? No, this is London. Lovely village, which I think is... Thatched roofs. <laughs> Richard to show us what we might How far to the well? It's over budget. Oh, wow, even though... Well, the well? Yes! Like the will? The what? Expectations. <laughs> it's like, wait, Will, Shakespeare dying? Wait, what's going on? Rebecca Henry, when you guys tasked us with um, a House Hunters International, did you know that these queens were, of course, going to do London? Like, there are there other cities across the ocean? Jeff and Rachel have decided to not only visit 
I don't know. I feel like other gays might like a fabulous beach thing. I just ain't feeling it. You have made that pointedly clear. So right here is the Tower of London. Yeah, you're gonna learn a lot about royalty and kings and queens here. It really is unreasonably sunny in London while they're there filming this. Which one I like the best? The cost of living in Minneapolis is extremely low, and so we had lots I love of the mom spirit. spending money. Because you know she's being dragged there. Especially in London. <laughs> They found that out at House One. I'm sure Rebecca has already made that point on this episode. <laughs> from the tube station. Except for a few minor points, like the garden. It's really small. Yeah. It's pleasant, but it's a. I love time. how they're taking her to the Tower of London, which is, you know, basically a torture facility. <laughs> this is what happens to bad little British girls. <laughs> the biggest challenge is they want something with a villagey feel that's next to a tube station now. Those two things don't often come together, and when they do, then that ups the price. After seeing their shocked reactions, good to thinking, house- white weird American guy. Have to lose <laughs> items off the wish list in order to bring the price down. Their budget is a mere. I can't get over how much he looks like a Wallace and Gromit character. <laughs> He's made of clay. <laughs> clay and teeth. <laughs> But because it's ground floor, it doesn't... I love these little animated maps with the little buses going around. It's true, the maps are good. HGTV is up in their graphics budget. Well, here we are at Muswell Hill. This is an Edwardian-style property. A what? An Edwardian-style <laughs> property. I think it's going to tick a few boxes for you, Jeff. Okay. It ticks the boxes. Because it's good for shops and it's got a nice buzz to it. We've got a three-bed apartment here this time. Okay, so it's not a house. Okay. Okay. But because it's ground floor, it does have a nice back garden. Okay. But you know who else has a nice back garden? (laughs) Stop it! I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Sorry, Henry. The area has a village feel then it's not close to public transport. So that's really been one of the main challenges of this search. I may have to choose between the village and the close to the tube station. I would never have to make that choice. The choice would always be close to the transportation. Meanwhile, every cut to Saffron, I feel like her like inner monologue is like, wait, is my name really Saffron? No, her inner monologue is, how long do we get back to that swing? <laughs> Lovely bright. Oh, wow. Living room. I like this space. I noticed right away it's yes. it's nice and sunny in here. And come through here, they've added on this part here, which is quite nice because you've got this seating area. I mean, this is gorgeous. It's like a sunroom, which I know you feel like there is no use for. Aww. But there are window seats, which I feel is very British. I do love a window seat. Right? Very Jane Eyre. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this backyard is enormous. For yeah. Rosabelle, it's a big enough space we can throw the ball for her. You and Saffron can kick up. I cannot tolerate the name Saffron. Also that they prioritize the dog's happiness in the garden <laughs> over the child's <laughs> happiness in the garden. <laughs> oh, yes. This would be the perfect room for Saffron. Oh, I like it's got this desk area Look, underneath. Look, they an bathroom. Saffron, she's eight. She just said en suite. I'm going to go kill myself. She's a world traveler. She's eight. She's about to live in Europe. <laughs> this is everything that is wrong with HGTV, Rebecca. This is every, and we are not helping. We are part of the problem. Not a house, and it's still over our budget. And it's not by a tube station, so I'm very worried about my commute to work. Now, we are sacrificing space a bit for being so close to the tube. It is that apologetic British face. Oh, I'm so sorry. 
you have to sleep on broken glass in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that said Hogwarts. That sign literally said Hogwarts. I think it did. In London. They know a moneymaker when they see it, okay? London is like, if everything has to turn into Dumbledore and Hufflepuff, we will do it. Monarchy out, Gryffindor in. I love it here. This is so cool. They have decided to live in North London, the area north of the River Thames, which includes... Which is basically... All of London. <laughs> it's true. London's most popular open-air market area. Here, how about, let's go check out oh, over yeah. here. That features stalls, shops, hubs, and restaurants. Really cool. So far, they've seen two nice places, but both resulted in sticker shock due to London's sky-high real estate market. $3,600. It's also like, did you spend no time on the internet before you decided to look for real estate in London? Like, how do you not know this until you get there? At House 3, Richard tries a new tack to finally get them under budget, but wonders if Jeff and Rachel are willing to make the required sacrifice. I have brought you this time. You know, I will say that he's my second favorite international real estate agent. There's also that older French woman who does all the Paris ones with her beret and her red hair. Remember that one? Yes, yes, yes. I love that one. Now, this is only a two-bed house. We are sacrificing space a bit for being so close to the tube, but we're below budget here at $2,500. Again, who do I I make the check out to? Yeah, I would do that for $2,500. Wallace and Gromit, I'm writing the check right now. Exactly. Okay, come on through. Oh, it's nice. Like, for $2,500 in London, I don't care if it has a window. To be honest, it's a little small. It feels a little tight in here. This area could double up as a guest room. You could use this as a sofa bed if you had guests. Okay. okay. Let's go through to the kitchen. Okay. Right. Real estate agents really are problem solvers. <laughs> the answers for everything. I do think it's nicely updated. Mm-hmm. I like the gas stove. Mm-hmm. I'm a little worried about the size. When they have one of those washer and dryers, dryer in quotation marks. <laughs> you know, washer and soggy clothes maker. Exactly. They run for 12 hours and everything is still completely damp. It's nice then leading right out to the back. But we're still so grateful just to have it in our apartment. I would love. And then also you've got quite a bit of space here for Rosabelle. And saffron. <laughs> and your child. You've got a nice big window here. I noticed this. Saffron's like, I can't hear you. That is big. But I didn't notice, did we miss? Was there a half bath downstairs? There isn't, I'm afraid, Rachel. No, this is the only bathroom. Just only having one does concern me. I think the one bathroom is really a problem for us. So this is the only other bedroom? Did you see Saffron on that elliptical machine, by the yeah, way? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Not just the dog. God damn you, Rosabelle. Proximity to the tube. I know Jeff is really pleased with the price of this property, but I would have preferred to... Is there anything more Minneapolis than salmon capri pants? <laughs> will Jeff get to be near the tube, or will he have to sacrifice his village feel? So we'll be living Ugh, I don't know. I just like having a three-year-old with a lot of hair. All I care about is the second bathroom. (laughs) So I don't care. Put me on the moon. There's no tube station. Just give me that second bathroom. So we'll be living somewhere in North London. And now we have to decide where, huh? With their dream of living in Europe on the line, 
Jeff and Rachel are trying to come to grips with the sky. It's like it's not on the line. He has to work there. They're going to live there. If they have to put a tent in the middle of the park, they're going to live in London. Really pricey. At $3,600. Three, six. Oh, wow. <laughs> Can't get over it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so small. I just yeah. don't see it working. Me and Roosevelt keep yep. playing. Right. And there was the, the Muswell Hill. Sa- Saffron, take it down, Saffron. I did like that. Sa- Saffron? So it was really I love that Roosevelt doesn't have a say. Like, where's Roosevelt? It did have that spacious garden. It did have spacious? Nice garden. It's spacious, ensuite, and spacious. I've had it with her. Send it to her room. <laughs> You're on Roosevelt's side now? <laughs> I'm really concerned about only having one bath. I think the location is fantastic. I love the proximity of the tube. So I think we need to eliminate one to make this easier. Their pants are the same color. I'm thinking we should get rid of the compact one in South. Of course. Because of the great price that you were going to insist on. Because Americans will never downsize. <laughs> it's true. Right? So there's a Islington one that's really pricey, but spacious. spacious. And there's a Muspa Hill one. Yep. Right. That Thanks, one was- Saffron. Ugh. I'm starting to lean towards the villagey feel of a Muswell Hill property. Even though it's only an apartment and not a house, it felt like it could be a great home for us. Yeah. Have we got a place? But your commute. I know. I always think about the commute. Uh, worst part of anybody's day. Why would it's you true. do that? Yeah. That. that looks oh, That looks good with that. It's really starting to come together. I Their decorating that. is horrifying. Oh, my God words on walls. We are also not anybody to talk about decorating. No, we are the gays that did not get the shopping or the decorating gene. Mm-mm. The transportation hasn't been a big issue at all. It's just a short bus ride to the local tube station and it's been working out okay. Just a bus to a tube to a horse and carriage. <laughs> Beautiful, but it's also a area for us to entertain as well as Quick play. flight to Copenhagen. I'm still confused as to why they were in Copenhagen in the first place. Moving to London and coming to Europe has been everything I thought it was going to oh, be. Oh, Patrick, are we moving to London now? We are just jealous. Every every negative thing we have to say, except for Saffron, because she's the worst, <laughs> we're just jealous. Hey, that $2,500 one is still on the market, it seems. They Let's take it right now! Going. All right, Rebecca, we're going to London. All right, come visit us. We've only <laughs> just be. Patrick Hines is the podcast host of True Crime Obsessed and Broadway Backstory and Theater People. I've put links to his podcast in the show notes. And his husband, Steve, well, he doesn't have his own podcast yet, but I've linked to his Twitter handle and I recommend giving him a follow there. Coming up, she's back. My BFF Molly weighs in with her take on House Hunters International. recording of my husband and I while we watch everything on HGTV. Uh, I saw that you were talking about HGTV uh, House Hunters International coming up and I just had to share that to this day I am stupefied by the episode where the very successful journalist who lives in Melbourne, Australia in a gorgeous house on the beach gives up everything to move to India to be with her tiny little DJ fiance 
and her biggest request is that the house has running water. I'm sorry. If you have to make that like an item in your must-have list, perhaps you're moving to the wrong place. I don't understand. Do they do they not have music in, in Melbourne? Could he not move there with her? And I got to tell you, I followed up. She had a blog for a really long time. Life of a white India housewife, and uh, she had a hard time adjusting to life in India. Her blog is fascinating, but I'd be curious if they're still together. So, do you want to remind the listeners of this fine podcast who you are? Sure, <laughs> I am BFF Molly. <laughs> She's back. I'm back. I am loving this podcast. I just totally enjoy it. And it's made me renew my love for HGTV. I've been uh, shamelessly binging on it for the last month. (laughs) And you've been watching some House Hunters International? I have been watching a lot of House Hunters International. I just love your thoughts. Go. Thoughts. So, okay. One, why are these people who've only been to a place once buying a house there? (laughs) And why are people who are clearly in the throes of some serious marital problems, (laughs) like picking up and moving to Costa Rica? Right. I watched one where the couple had been separated, for some reason feels the need to tell us that. (laughs) They get back together and they're going to now move from Nashville to Costa Rica just for the good of their family. Right. How can that possibly be? I mean, Costa Rica is a beautiful place. Don't get me wrong. But it's probably as bad or worse than having a baby to try to fix the family, right? Well, and their their open contempt for each other. (laughs) They don't agree on anything. Like, she's like, I want a modern home with a mountain view. Mm -hmm. And he says, I want a rustic cabin by the beach. Right. Those are two different things. The real estate agent can't even deal with it. They need a marriage counselor. Right. So I probably half expected on that one. I half expected the six-month review to be like, well, we did buy this house, uh, but now we're selling it because we're getting divorced. Right. And that's not what had happened in that episode? or No, they, they did find a house that they liked. She compromised. He compromised. They looked side-eye at each other and <laughs> did what was best for the kids, right. which is obviously uprooting them from Nashville and moving them to Costa Rica with their parents who hate each other. And, you know, hopefully it works out. Now, you, full disclosure, have traveled a lot. Yeah. And you speak several languages. I, I can get by. I can get a beer in many languages. Right. Um, to me, you're basically fluent in all of all those languages. But I think you, of everyone I know, is the most viable candidate for, like, my job is transferring me to Italy or France or some other place. And I think you would be fine because you have experience living in other places. You have experience talking to people who don't speak English. What do you think in general of the Americans who are going to some of these places like for work? And do do you think they're going to make it? (laughs) Well, I watched another one where it's a woman from California and she's moving to be with her long distance boyfriend in (laughs) Denmark. Are you kidding me? And not even kidding. I know a lot of people have pounded on where the budgets come from. Right. He's a student who has a part-time smoothie business, and she <laughs> is going to teach yoga in their apartment in Denmark. Right. And this one was a rental. You know, sometimes they do a rental instead of buying. So thank God. Cause right. They're, but they're renting. And they couldn't agree on anything either. You know, she wants to be outside the city in nature. I don't know how her yoga clients are going to come to her. He wants to be right downtown for his smoothies and for school. Right. So 
the, the things that drive me crazy are these people who want to live in an American subdivision in Texas right. with three bedrooms, four bathrooms, a dishwasher, two sinks, stainless steel appliances, all the kit and caboodle that you have. And then they move to these countries and they're always like, well, the toilet's awfully close to the wall. <laughs> you know, it should just be a special section on House Hunters International. Like, Dad looks at the toilet and you can tell that he wants to sit down on it to see if he'll fit. Right. But he knows he's on TV. Right. So. Right. Do you think, too, like the commentary on American life that this show is, you know, they they talk a lot about fridge size, talk a lot about closet space. They talk a lot about stuff that really points to the fact that, like, we are consumers. Yes. And other in other countries, that's just not the way that it is. Um, Do you think that's good for us or bad for us to see that on TV? Well, I I think it's important. One of the reasons I love to travel and it's been a priority with me with my kids is I think it is important to see how other people live and that, yes, you can get by without granite countertops and stainless steel appliances. Can you? Well, (laughs) I have been. (laughs) I've been getting by. Right. Uh, I think you can get by. And I think a lot of Americans are really shocked by a family home that only has one bathroom. Right. Or a family home with very little closet space because there aren't that many possessions. Right. And especially in like the South American Caribbean ones, there's no dishwasher a lot of the time. Right. And the woman always says, oh, well, there's space to put a dishwasher here. And I'm thinking, you don't know how life is there. Like, your water is coming from a cistern on your roof. Right. Like, you're not going to be using a dishwasher. Whenever I see someone say, there's room to put in a dishwasher, or we can do renovation even, in right. any of these places, I think, how are you going to do that? Who are you going to find to do the work? Right. Where are you going to buy the stuff? Like, where are you going to buy a dishwasher on, I don't know, Nevis? Exactly. We're on Roatan, and it's not going to be any problem (laughs) to get a dishwasher here into this beach shanty. And it's not just the dishwasher, but it's kind of this cultural insensitivity to the lack of water. Right. A lot of these, especially Caribbean, South American countries, even if the water is plentiful, the wastewater treatment is not. And you should be in a more conser- you know, conservation-minded right. place. You should be thinking, like, if you're going to live there, how do I live here, not how do I visit here for right. five years of my life or whatever. All right, so of all the destinations on House Hunters International, you know, you mentioned that we do see the South American. I think that we've seen a lot of Costa Rican episodes and a lot of yep. like, Mexican episodes. There are some um, Caribbean episodes. We also see those episodes on, like, Beachfront, Bargain Hunt, and Island Life, those mm-hmm. other, like, mix-up shows. Then there are, like, the Europe episodes, the what I like to call the mainstream travel episodes. You go to London, Paris, Rome, and then there are like the truly exotic ones. Oh, yes. We're going to go to the Middle East uh, <laughs> or Africa. Yeah, I, yeah. I do love and I have to admit when I go through the DVR, I kind of have a way of triaging these things. I don't watch them in order. I don't watch the whole season. I sort of watch the places where I'm like, wow, I've never heard of that. Right. Or someone's going to move there. <laughs> Really? We're going to the Seychelles. The Seychelles yeah. comes up quite a bit. Yeah, though I get why people might want to be in the Seychelles. Yeah, no kidding. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's Middle East for work. Right. Uh, you know, that or um, I saw one that was in Africa and it, somebody was being transferred for work. And I was actually surprised at how much the home there was similar to what we have here. Right. It wasn't quite as exotic as I thought it would be. Um, the ones that surprise me always are Scandinavia and mm. you know how tiny the apartments are, um, how people are always saying it's really important to have light. And I'm thinking, you do know it's like dark for four months, right? <laughs> like, 
you know, you're all worried about this in July when you're shopping for this house. It's going to get dark and stay that way. I'm going to throw a scenario at you. Let's pretend that you and I are a couple. And because uh, we're on HGTV and we're on House Hunters International together, like I am going to um, Oslo for a job. My company, which is never named, by the way, transfers me to Oslo. You're coming with me. Um, what are some examples of things that I would definitely need and want as the person who will be working at that my company that transferred me to Oslo versus some of the things you would need or want as the beleaguered partner who's basically just being dragged along for the ride? This is so predictable. So this is what you want. You want to be close to the city center with a short commute. Yes. I want a park and play space for the children. And, and the I'm dog. At, and the dog. <laughs> our six dogs that we're always bringing with us. And I seem like the type of person who's never been outdoors a day in my life, but suddenly it's super important to me that there's a huge park in the backyard or I have a place to go with the kids. Right. I also usually want like a big suburban house with lots of privacy and room for entertaining, Mm. even though we're moving somewhere where we don't know anyone (laughs) and no one is going to want to visit us. Let's be honest. You don't need four guest rooms. No. No. No one's going to visit you in Oslo. No. And for the differential and cost, you can just put people up in a hotel when they come visit you, right? Oh, that reminds me of one of my pet peeves with these things. These people can't make a $300 renovation, yet they're going to be buying plane tickets back and forth to their new vacation home in Greece. <laughs> I just watched one where the woman didn't like the light fixture, and that was going to be her deal breaker. Right. But they were from Canada, and they're buying a vacation home in Greece. How is she going to get there? Right. So, yeah, I have some house hunters jealousy. You do? I do. How do these people make their money? Do you think House Hunters International is a real estate show or a travel show? I think it's both. I think it might encourage people to travel to places they might not have thought of traveling. And I certainly look at it like a travel show for myself. Like, I'm more likely to watch the Costa Rica episode than the episode that's, you know, I don't know, somewhere awful that I would never want to go. So (laughs) I tend to watch them when I think it might be a good travel destination. Like, for instance, there was one in Liverpool, England. I've never heard anything good about Liverpool. So I didn't The Beatles are from there. It's about it. Yeah. I I just didn't hear any reason why I might want to go to Liverpool for a week. Right, right, So I didn't watch that, but I did watch London. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of fun. Would you ever be on House Hunters International if your, say, job transferred you to (laughs) Bora Bora? I can only imagine my husband. And like Patrick Hines, I also have a husband, Steve. (laughs) And uh, I cannot imagine my husband, Steve, and I on House Hunters International. We might look like one of those marriages that was going to fall apart. What would he want that you don't want? Oh, he's going to want spare and modern in the city center, and he's going to want it to be as cheap as possible. (laughs) And I'm going to want a little more space, Mm. a little more character for Mm. the area. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm moving to London, maybe I do want like a little turret or a garret like you see in Love Actually, those cute little apartments. Right. Except, unfortunately, (laughs) you know, I'm going to move to Paris and and I want a chateau, but I have like sad rat infested garret apartment budget. You're going to be like that lady who moved to Paris ostensibly was looking for an apartment for her whole family and ended up just getting a studio and it was clearly like she was breaking up with her husband. You ever see that one? I, the one I saw <laughs> that was in Paris actually had a bathroom that had a skylight and a woman could sit on the toilet but a man would literally have to open the roof <laughs> if he wanted to pee standing up. What's wrong with that? If it's cheap enough your husband Steve would go for it, right? You know, my husband Steve actually, if he saw that, would probably want to put that bathroom in our house. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, this is Jessica from Virginia. I'm calling about House Hunters International. 
I feel when you are under 30 years old, have been dating each other for less than a year, and they only state the employment of one of the people, someone in that relationship is a drug dealer, period. A bartender in New York may be making some good money, but to have the large budget for a, quote, vacation home in Mexico, no way. So, Kevin. Yes, Rebecca. What did we learn today? What did we learn about moving to an international destination mm-hmm. and buying real estate? Yep. Well, one, it seems nobody needs a work visa. <laughs> They're just moving to some other country and are just going to be taking those Belgian jobs away from those Belgians. Right, right. And that apparently most couples who've been together for about 20 minutes decide, hey, let's leave Amarillo (laughs) and let's go to Brussels. Right. Or London or some other crazy place. Or Madagascar. Yeah. You didn't watch that one with me. Let me tell you. That is not a place you and I would be comfortable living. <laughs> no, it's because we have to collect rainwater with uh, with green leaves and. No, it's more just like one of those very congested. Um, well, the part they showed the city was like a lot of people, a lot of cars, a lot of dust, and chickens randomly walking into your house. <laughs> oh, well, if you can't eat the random chickens, then what's the point? Exactly. Yeah. Is this like really a travel show or is this a real estate show? Interesting question. I posed that to a couple of our guests. What do you think? Well, I think it's a hybrid, but I think the things that appeal to us about travel shows mm-hmm. is what makes this show. Because, you know, when you look at a regular house hunter's and we as the viewers see the kitchen and the living room, it's familiar and it's kind of like, oh, well, these are the things that we would use to improve it. Or I'm really jealous of that chandelier. Right. And every... <laughs> jealous of the chandelier. <laughs> yeah, because I, I want a chandelier, right? And and then every time you go into like a, uh, a bathroom in Spain, right. you're like surprised that the toilet doesn't have a... You know, it has a handle from on a chain or right. something like that. Or there's a ur- urinal. <laughs> a, a water closet where the whole room flushes, you yes. know, like a shower. Um, yeah, because everything is really, well, I hate to, I can't think of a better word, but it's all foreign to us. Right. All, you, just the way the layout is. We're very The American. size of things. Yes, it's hard for us to imagine people live a different way. Right. Right. And it's kind of like, well, they would have left space for the dishwasher, if anybody sold a dishwasher anywhere near you, <laughs> right. that should be a clue. So what else did we learn today, Kevin? Well, apparently real estate agents around the world are just as douchey as the ones in the U.S. <laughs> and heroic. Douchey and heroic. And heroic. <laughs> They're pretty bad at finding the first two or three houses, but mm. then they come through right. with that last one. Right. That apartment overlooking where they threw Christians to the lions right. for right. fun. Right. It's like, how do these folks who have apparently no money- mm get to these houses. Right. And, you know, apparently, A, there's a guy who works for some shitty company that's just going to move him all over Europe for no reason. And give no budget for an apartment. No budget. <laughs> there you go. We'll send you some cardboard boxes. Right. But first of all, good luck getting across the border. Right. And you report on Monday. Right, right. So, uh, final question. Would you move internationally with me? 
Um, well, I would move internet. Well, look, I would move internationally with you, but houses like this are not there. Right. So, I did, did anybody even get cable TV in all these episodes? Did anyone say, "Oh, well, you know, there's I haven't seen it there's really good cable service here. You can get up to four channels." No, no one. Yeah, never see that. Yeah, so I you- call on the idea of living there. So that's like a no. If I can only watch <laughs> cheese manufacturing on the BBC. <laughs> I do not want to live in Sussex. Right. Thank you very much. Right. So that's like a no. That's like a definite no. You can keep your flat. <laughs> and I'm going to say I want a flat because <laughs> it's some guy who's like, yeah, I have a animal balloon business mm. and my girlfriend sells puka shells yep. and our budget is 7 million euros. Right, right. And so you're saying we don't fit that profile. We don't fit that profile because we apparently aren't drug dealers. <laughs> HGTV and Me is produced by me, Rebecca Lavoie, and the very handsome Henry Lavoie. Thanks so much this time to Lonnie Diane Rich, Patrick Hines, his husband Steve, my wonderful husband Kevin, my BFF Molly, and everyone who called in on my podcast hotline. I would love to hear from you. Next time we're going to be talking about that junkyard of a show, Flea Market Flip. Call in with your catty comments about that pile of crap show. Well, even if you like it, you can call in, too. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I look forward to coming at you again in a couple weeks. Partners in Crime Media.